Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. You're listening to a bonus episode. Normally, this is a podcast about obstacle course racing, but occasionally we like to stray outside the lines a little bit and cover some other topics that I think are very important. Previously, we've had several other bonus episodes. Usually, they're about gold star families, so families that have lost someone in combat, linked to the efforts I've done for raising money for the charity Folds of Honor, which provides scholarship money to children whose parents were killed and wounded in action. With September 11th coming up, and the, it'll be the 19th anniversary of it, and uh, some recent news of them not doing the, the big uh, memorial lights in New York City, uh, I want to do, take some time and remember September 11th. And I happen, happen to have a personal connection, like many people from New York do. My godfather, John Casamatis, was a Port Authority police officer on September 11th. And he served as part of the Port Authority Police from, I believe, 1974 to 2009. You know, I want to do this episode one to remember September 11th, too. I just think getting some of the reaction from someone who was physically there at the towers uh, when they started coming down just be really interesting for the rest of the world to hear. And then also for my family and my friends, my dad, and, you know, all, all the people we know, I think getting a recording of it would be just great to hear. John, why don't you start telling us a little bit about your background in the Port Authority and kind of when you entered the service and some of the jobs you had uh, before September 11th? Well, I, I, January 74, attended the Port Authority Police Academy uh, following the appointment. When I graduated, I, I was assigned to what they called the Central Police Pool. What it basically was was a unit of available police officers that can be flown to any of our facilities that we patrol. And uh, I spent a good part of of several years in in that unit. And then I was assigned to the Port Authority bus terminal, which was in the heart of Times Square. And in the mid seventies was for lack of a better term, a horrendous shithole. <laughs> and, and that was on its good days. And I worked there several times. I was in a unit called the Times Square Task Force with elements of NYPD, PAPD, and at that time, separate housing police, transit police, Amtrak police, Long Island Railroad Police, uh, it was an effective anywhere else, and you only dealt with what was going on in the Times Square area. Uh, Then from there, I got promoted to sergeant, I believe in 1985. I went out to John F. Kennedy Airport, where I spent several years as uh, the chief of the Aircraft Rescue Firefighting Unit, which at that time was operated by the Port Authority Police and is today also. Uh, I also did patrol work at JFK. Supervisor got promoted from being a watch commander at JFK, LaGuardia, and thank God very rarely to Newark Airport. On 9-11, on September 11th, I was on duty 
as the executive lieutenant at the Port Authority bus terminal. And around 8.30, um, 0, 8.30 hours, I was on the phone with the Port Authority Law Department. I was speaking with someone there about scheduling an arbitration the next day. When she screamed on the phone, oh my God, it's an earthquake. The building is swaying, she screamed on the phone. And then the said on News Radio 88, and as soon as the phone went dead, the small plane had just struck the World Trade Center. I immediately went into my commanding officer's office and advised them of the same. I then responded to the police desk and advised the desk sergeant to have all hands recall to the police desk. I told several officers to go down to 9th Avenue, stop any city bus, commandeer the first city bus they see, take the passengers off. Scott packs self-contained breathing apparatus. Well, I think there was 20 of us. And we drove down to the World Trade Center. Uh, we arrived at the corner of Barkley. Oh, while en route to Trade Center, and hit Tower 2. At the corner of Barkley and West Broadway to a scene out of, out of one of these apocalyptic movies. Debris everywhere, burning debris bodies, body parts everywhere, and debris falling. I looked up and saw at least 30 floors of fire, floors on fire in Tower 2 with heavy black smoke. I, my, myself and my boss, the commanding officer, decided it was too dangerous to take all of us into the building. So him and I went into the building. We sent the rest of them to set up a command post two blocks away on West Street. And uh, while we were trying to get into the building safely, we saw the mayor and the police commissioner responding down Buckley Street. And we advised them that they were in a very dangerous situation and they should go down another street. We went into the building, we conferred with a Port Authority police chief, told him that he was uh, being summoned, the NYPD OEM command post. We then conferred with several of our chiefs and captains and inspectors, and we positioned ourselves on the mezzanine level, which was one flight up from where the elevators and the shopping areas are. And we started to supervise the evacuation coming out of staircase when 110 floors up and people were coming down. Uh, we, we were told that a huge chunk around 90 to 100 had been blown away and the people coming down were below those floors. We were assisted by many, many people in moving these people because as they would come out of the staircase, they would look upon the plaza between the two towers. 
And it looked like that apocalyptic thing, the glass walls uh, covered with blood and fire, body parts. Literally, we had to carry these people to the escalators and help them down the escalators because we had enacted the evacuation plan that worked extremely well. 99% of people that could have been saved were saved. They went through the underground shopping area to the New York City subway system and, and, and they walked to different stations and evacuated in safety away from the towers. Then all of a sudden, we hear this noise. I was about 25 feet north of the motor stairs, and my back was to the plaza when I heard this roar. And it just got louder, louder, and louder. I remember looking over my left shoulder and looking up at the chandeliers, and they began to shake and begin to break apart. Then lots of debris started to rain on the plaza. I remember my commanding officer yelling, run for your lives. I looked over my shoulder, it got pitch black. A loud crashing sound I ever heard. I looked towards the motor stairs and saw people being picked up against the concrete wall. The glass walls behind me broke and crashed and the debris, steel, and concrete came in like a tsunami. My life flashed in front of me. I was preparing to meet my maker. The force of the impact, and I'm a big guy. I'm, a, I'm 275 pounds. The force of the impact lifted me and carried me north to the north wall of the tower on that level. Believe the debris field. My entire life ran through my head, and, 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 and I thought that, that would be my demise. I found myself on the ground, and, and I, I had to take, I couldn't see anything, I couldn't hear anything, and my mouth was filled with like this sand. It was this gook. Uh, that permeated everything for five blocks around the buildings. And, uh, well, that was basically it. Uh, I found uh, another police officer who had a flashlight on him. Couldn't see each other. It was all by feel. And then we joined up with two Secret Service agents. We were the only people left on that floor. And there were hundreds on that floor. We down the escalator with a and we went down the motor stairs, and then we saw to our right the elevator lobby was clear, clear to the street. It was either Providence or the way the building was designed. We started running out of the building. We could see the plaza had collapsed into the stores, and this was the only way out. As we're making that turn to go down this corridor, two NYPD supervisors we later learned was a Captain Pearson and his lieutenant 
pull, we pulled them out of the debris and they joined us. The rest of it is a little foggy to me, but we managed to make it out of tower number one on the West Street. It looked like gray snow blizzard. We all had to clear our noses and mouths and get this stuff out of our mouths. My corneas were scratched. We then tried to go north. I encountered an unconscious female, about 35 years old on the ground and she was bleeding. I wasn't able to pick her up, but I was able to drag her up West Street. We got to an area under a footbridge at VC Street. I heard the roar again. Next to us was an NYPD SUV running. I placed the woman in the back into the driver's seat. The vehicle filled up quickly, people piling onto each other. I placed the vehicle in gear and made it to the front of the Verizon building, which was one block north of the Trade Center uh, complex. Uh, after a period of time, it got quiet. The vehicle was running. I put it in four-wheel drive, started to rock it back and forth because the debris field had buried the vehicle. And eventually, I don't remember how many times we rocked the car, it finally broke free of the debris field. Couldn't see where we were going. And the vehicle finally stopped as I hit an FDNY fire engine. We all got out and I helped take the unconscious woman to an ambulance. A fireman with a hose line hosed me down. I had my eyes looked at by e EMTs and I, and I was sucking on oxygen for a while. I then was able to move on, sprained my ankle and shoulder and I hooked up with the uh, Port Authority police chiefs and we started, we commandeered the gym at Manhattan Community College. And uh, all I can say is I remained at the Trade Center for the next nine months, working a minimum of four hours a day after my regular duties. I, I was promoted to captain and sent to the George Washington Bridge. And after work every day, I would go down to the Trade Center and work on the pile for at least four hours. I believe I was honored and privileged to have worked that day with over 200 Port Authority police officers, 400 firemen, and, and scores and scores of NYPD. Always remember and honor everybody that died there and everybody that worked there. Um, it was amazing. It was like we had all worked with each other for a hundred years. Everything went like clockwork. FEMA and the federal government said it would take to clear the debris. That was the day of 9-11. Well, John, that's just, I mean, I was in awe listening to that story and I've, I've heard it before. I remember hearing it. Uh, when my me and my parents came over uh, shortly after September 11th, and I remember reading your report when I was, um, you know, again shortly at well, a couple months after September 11th, uh, my parents showed it to me. But you know, I just can't thank you enough from 
as a fellow New Yorker, as you know, as you're my godfather, and uh, just very proud of your actions and the actions of all the other uh, first responders that day on September 11th. Just, just doing our jobs. You know how that feels. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to. I do. I do want to back up and ask some uh, some questions about kind of what was going through your head during some of this. We all know that it's a terrorist attack now, but on the day of the event, was the first thing that went through your mind terrorist attack or what was it, you know, did you think it was just an accident or, you know, what was your initial thoughts as the planes hit the towers? When we thought it was just one plane. You broke a little up a little bit. I'm, uh, you, the first plane hit, you thought when, it was a, when, an accident. When the first plane hit, we thought, we still thought it was an accident. When, when we saw the second plane hit, we knew what it was. It was a terrorist attack. Gotcha. I remember being in class. I was in college during that time. When I, when I got out of class, the, when I went into class, the towers were still standing. And when I got out of class, um, they had both come down. And I think the, Im- the image of the towers collapsing now was very commonplace. When you first responded to the incident... <sighs> Did you and the, some of the other guys you work with, were you expecting the towers to come down or did you just think they would uh, basically burn? And We just thought they were going to burn out. We ran into some uh, uh, World Trade Center engineers who towers were, were, um, were unstable. Nobody thought they were going to come down and pancake the way they did. You know, you, you told the story of being in the base of one tower while the other tower was coming down. Uh, when that was happening, did you think that was your tower? Or did you, like, did you have any idea what was kind of going on at that point? No, I, 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 thought, it was an, I thought it was a plane that was going to crash into the plaza. Ah, okay. Didn't realize the tower came down. Till after we got out in the street. Oh, wow. And then, I mean, once the first one came down, did you assume the second one was coming down shortly thereafter? No. We tried to run away as fast as we could. And, and then I heard that same roar, you know, humanity's greatest line. I uttered, I said, oh, shit. And... <laughs> running north as fast as I could, dragging this woman and putting her in the suburban. The thing I regret is I never found, never found out what happened to her. Well, hope, hopefully she's, she's doing well and uh, thankful that her, a guardian angel came to save her on that day. Uh, very emotional, very, uh, just a lot of, a lot of uh, good stories of, of, of good humanity taking place. Yeah. Now, you know, you mentioned you lost a lot of coworkers and friends uh, that day, you know, but you also lost family. Uh, your brother-in-law was in one of the towers. Um, he was in Tower 1 on the 97th floor. Oof. And what? I, 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 I don't think he even knew what hit him. Really? Yeah. I mean that yeah, that's right around where the plane impacted. Is that, is that not? So on that day, did did you think about him, or were you just so focused on the task at hand? Oh no! Before the towers came down, I was calling him on his cell phone, and and, and I I was trying 
uh, there was no chance that I was going to walk up 97 floors because the staircases had been blown away yeah. in cer on certain floors. Uh, I kept trying to call him. And he was gone when the plane hit and exploded. You know, as a, as a member of the military, I often dislike the way the military is characterized and portrayed in movies. Now, September 11th, there was several movies that came out about it. One of them was called World Trade Center, which you actually have a uh, part in. Someone, uh, there's a character, an actor who plays you in that movie. And the, Correct. Uh, he's addressed my name on screen. And I think I own a copy of it downstairs solely for that reason. Do you, how do you think that specific movie turned out, just out of curiosity, as someone who was physically there? The first 30 minutes was as close, the first 30 minutes. Now, uh, the two of the officers that were trapped in the debris are still with us, thank God. Uh, one of them was read his last rites a half a dozen times. Nobody thought he'd survive. And they said that it was very accurate. Their conversations while they were trapped under uh, in the debris. Well, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear. Are there any good documentaries that you've seen that portray the events of September 11th, or do you just avoid uh, reliving those memories and watching those? Absolutely none. One more time. Sorry. None. I don't even go to the I, I don't even go to the ceremonies. Hmm. They've become photo ops for 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 uh, uh, incompetent, useless politicians, and the narrative has been changed. The the three thousand people weren't murdered anymore. They just died. Hmm. Uh, the word Muslim terrorism is is you can't find it in bleach. That's our society today. Yeah, you broke up a little bit there, but basically I, I, what I call was the narrative has changed since then, and uh, they're softening a lot of the terms you sure described, the heroes and the, uh, the people that were murdered that day. All right. Exactly. They were murdered. We're going to start wrapping it up, but, you know, what, what do you, anything you want people to know about um, September 11th as someone who's physically there and, you know, served with the, the heroes that responded on that day? Yeah, just listen. If you want to know what happened, ask somebody that was there. All the conspiracy theories are beyond false. It, it, the, all the truther stuff is, is all one lie after another. And I don't know why people do that. It was a horrible event. It's another event that should have taught this country a lesson, but like Pearl Harbor, it came and left. And we really haven't learned our lesson, have we? Mm. Yeah. We talked about some of this offline about you know, cons this conspiracy theories that sub surround September 11th, and they're all they're all completely re uh, preposterous. They're ridiculous. They hold they hold no water. They involve way too many people. Um, it's, it's offensive really. I think it's, it's like pissing on the graves of the, uh, civilians that were killed and murdered that day and the, uh, the heroes that gave their lives. So 
I, I told you this on, on text message, but you know, someone at work I was with started going off about like, isn't it weird that, and blah, blah, blah. Isn't it weird? And it's like, like I snapped at him. Yeah, they like, charges in eight places on each floor for 220 floors. Not yeah. possible. Not possible. Yeah. Last question. You Thank know, you, Evan. Thank you for, for after 19 years being able to, to talk about it. But I would only talk about it with you. Oh. Or not, or I was there. Well, thank you, Nuno. Like I said, I don't go, I don't go, I don't go to the ceremonies. I meet a small group of emergency service cops that were there with me, and and we 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 don't celebrate. We we reminisce and and we remember the ones we lost. Uh, I don't go to the ceremony because nobody's there. But but useless politicians, and uh, sorry, I'm not there for the photo ops. Yeah. So how can you know listeners who may not have a personal connection? How can uh, they continue to honor the memory of uh, September 11th and their responders and the? Uh, On the a quiet day, go to the museum, look around, and when the uh, when the church opens next, that's what I recommend. Yeah, you broke up a little bit there, but go to the museum, which I actually, the last time I was at the memorial site was still not open, so I'm, I need to it's go It's open. Everybody should go once. I uh, object to the fact that they sell souvenirs. Mm. I honestly believe that the entire museum, memorial, and the grounds should be run by the United States Park Service and, and because they know how to do that right. Mm. And, and that's it. Now, there'll be a house of worship on the grounds. There'll be a non-denominational um, uh, um, area, and uh, it'll be very nice. And you, you mentioned it, uh, that the one the church opens uh, for those who may not be tracking, you know, there's one religious site. I'm tracking only one religious site was destroyed in September 11th. It was St. Nicholas. There's a small Orthodox church that stood basically like at the base of the buildings. Like I remember oh, this, tower two. I remember the base of tower two on Cedar. I remember going to with boy Scouts to go to the top of the world trade center. And we actually parked in the St. Nicholas parking lot. Yep. It, Yep. I, I think we went in and lit a candle maybe. Um, or I'm afterwards. sure you did. And then we went up uh, to the top of the tower, you know, looked around, came back down, got back in the car and headed home. But yeah, that was the only religious site destroyed. And uh, they're, they're rebuilding a much nicer version of St. Nicholas because it was like a tiny, I mean, it was like almost like a chapel. It wasn't really like, a, it, was, it was small. It was like one room. But they're rebuilding a nice, nicer. It was very small. Yeah. They're rebuilding a, a nicer version of St. Nicholas and it's taken a while because they've, you know, it's so big, but uh, yeah. So definitely go see that after you go see the museum. All right. Evan, no. Thank you for the opportunity. Have thank, a good evening. Thank you for coming on. I, I really appreciate you sharing the story that was very uh, obviously personal and emotional for you. And uh, I'm glad we got it recorded. All right. All right. Take care, Evan. I'll talk to you later.